0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: What a beautiful day for horses in the morning.
0: You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world.
1: Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it.
0: Well, good morning, everybody. I am Glenn Geek in Ocala, Florida.
2: And I'm Karen Chatton from Gardnerville, Nevada. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for September 13th. This is episode 2,100 and, or 2018. Good morning, Horse World.
3: When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday, and it doesn't get much better than best conditioned... And completing the challenge is the challenge. You're an endurance rider.
0: That's right. Welcome to Endurance Day here, and we usually show up the second Tuesday of every month, which seems late this month. I don't know why, but um welcome back, Karen. Thank we're you. glad to have you back. I'm glad that you didn't you're not evacuated right now like so many other endurance riders are.
2: I know uh, there's the whole almost west coast, all the way from Washington to Southern California has been on fire. If they're not well, having we're floods. Gonna... <laughs>
0: Yeah, right. Exactly. It seems to be either you're flooding or you're on fire right now.
2: Yeah. We're
0: getting rain inches of rain every day at this point. Uh, oh, wow. It's, it's crazy. When we when you live in Florida, to think about it being dry somewhere is hard to even mm-hmm. think about because we're always so wet. Um, but we did that trip this year and we were in Oklahoma and Texas and we got to see how dry it really gets. Uh-huh. So, so we it got does. to witness what you go through every year. Um but first, the first thing we want to do in today's show is we want to apologize for something that we missed doing on the last episode. When we covered Tevis, we failed to talk about the fatalities that were there, and, and a lot of you were very upset about that, and rightly so. Um, we, we kind of had a plan, and, and we were wrong, I think, uh, with our plan. We, we were kind of waiting to see what the the Western States Trail Foundation did, and we're going to cover it this time, but we should have mentioned it uh, during our coverage the last time. So, Karen, the question is, is Western States Trail Foundation, are they taking this seriously, and are, what are they doing about well,
2: it? Well, I believe they took it very seriously. They actually put out some statements during the ride while the ride was still occurring. And actually, um, to clarify, one horse fell during the ride and had to be euthanized. There were two other horses that fell and that were rescued. Um, one, as far as I know, has survived. I haven't seen anything else stating otherwise, so I'm just going to assume that it did recover. Uh, but the second fatality did succumb to its injuries about a week after it had been re- um, rescued off the side of the trail and the western states trail did put out um some statements saying that you know that they were taking this very seriously they were you know doing an investigation and they are for sure going to be going down and and um, you know, investigating the sections of the trail and making sure things are, you know, anything that needs to be fixed or worked on, they are definitely going to be doing that. But they're still working on, you know, the investigation. And sometimes these things take time if they're doing the necropsies and getting, you know, vet statements and things like that. Um, so I apologize for not mentioning it. But I kind of felt that it was so fresh, I kind of wanted to give the writers their, you know, a little bit of time to grieve because, you know, people did jump all over this on social media. So it was out there. Um, but I, I know if something like that happened to me, I would appreciate if people just gave us a little bit of time, you know, to, to get the investigation done and have a report published. So that people knew actually, you know, the honest truth of what actually happened instead of just hearsay and rumors and stuff.
0: Well, and you're riding a horse on the side of a cliff. It's inherently dangerous, right? Um, and, and, we, we have, and we have seen accidents in the mm-hmm. past. And, you know, it doesn't take much for a horse to spook for whatever reason or just a step wrong. I mean it's just or,
2: or the trail can give out or you know there's any number of things there could be a you know a, a rattlesnake or just I mean the horse could have a health issue and so we don't know that nobody knew that at the time of last month's show to, in order to you know give a you know accurate report on what really happened other than just mentioning that you know on the surface the um the news, but I just didn't really want to, you know, sensationalize it or anything. Um, because, yeah, th- I mean, if you're going to take a couple a hundred or a couple hundred horses on any given weekend, at home doing nothing, some of them are g- going to have an accident or something go wrong. So, you know, you got to look at the big picture that sometimes, uh, you know, when you're using horses and sports, things do go wrong. Um... On the other hand, I also like to try to look at the bright side of things of how many horses have had their lives enriched and um, actually p- probably lengthened because they're getting really good care and conditioning and um, just overall their health is better because they're participating in a horse sport.
0: Well, it does sound like Western States is, is investigating, and and I am sure, after all of this, they're going to be very transparent with what they find, too. Um, they're mm-hmm. going to have to be. Yeah. They're just right, going to have to be.
2: Right, right. <laughs> just, yes.
0: They don't have any choice right now. Uh, but then, uh, you know, then the news came, just what, two days ago, that the World Endurance Championships have been canceled. Now, I just read superficially what was going on. Can you enlighten us on that? yes there's a few so let me clarify this would be this so this year is what we what we used to call the world of question games all these sports happened in one place before and so these worlds now are being held kind of separately so uh, but they're all considered part of that general th- thing the world of question mm-hmm. games it's very loose now it's not like it was before where we they were all being held in one place like right now the endurance world championships are going on in italy so um so anyway, so that was canceled and why?
2: Right. And it was, they did the pre-write there last year, which I believe Jeremy Reynolds won. Um, so we had everybody getting ready to go and kind of last minute, you know, because a lot of people have spent and invested, you know, a year of their lives preparing horses and getting all the arrangements made. But they had a lot of things going on. Um, like some people weren't real happy. First, with the, where
0: was it supposed to be?
2: I, I believe it was in Italy. Uh, the same as the pre ride was last year. And um, I just think, you, you know, there was a there were so many things going on. When I look at uh, some of the stuff that happened, they were short in funding by like a quarter million of, of dollars or more. Well, that's a few bucks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the infrastructure wasn't really completed because other events were scheduled at the venue. And there just wasn't enough time to get everything completed. Also, it's in an area that's touted as a green, environmentally friendly area and event. The region is having a huge drought. So water and ice was kind of a possible, you know, issue. And then there's biohazard issues they're having. Like FBI was requiring vaccination for influenza every six months when competing, but they had to change it recently to every... 12 months because there's a supply chain issue in Europe for the vaccine, plus there's been some EHV, and remember, that has been an issue for some of our international traveling horses. Remember that last year?
0: Mm-hmm. Where, yep.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, just all these things added up, and it, I guess they just decided to pull the plug rather than um, have another, um, you know, thing go kind of not real great like happened <laughs> Tryon? Tryon. Exactly. You (laughs) remember? I was there. You
0: were there. And it was supposed to be in Verona, which is Italy's northern region. It was? Oh, Uh, good. I'm glad
2: glad you looked that up. I should have wrote that down.
0: So, well, it sounds to me like, you know, we were just talking about fatalities there at Tevis. It sounds to me like they probably did the wise thing here because, Mm -hmm. you know, it it, it, was, it was plagued with problems.
2: It's so sad. It's like, uh, you know, the endurance uh, part of the horse sport world is sort of like the red-headed, you know, stepchild. <laughs> That's how I feel about it it. it.
0: it has been lately. I mean, you yeah. know, with with all the investigations and all the, you know, different things going on. And ever and it seems like it's been worse ever since WEG in, in Tryon, 2018. It yeah. just seems like, it, you know, they... It just is one thing after another, but you know that's the international play and we talk we don't talk a lot about that in this show we do cover it obviously when things like this happened or we're or we're covering a world equestrian or mm-hmm. the world championships but we don't we tend to focus on what's happening with the you know the the mid to lower level riders here in the United States, you know not necessarily f e i uh, because that's where you know it, it's funny because the FEI riders in any discipline, and I know because we cover a lot of them, in any discipline get, get a lot of attention because they are the big names. They're the top of the top. Uh, yet ninety five percent of the riders are like us, where are are not FEI and ride you know nationally here and you know or locally mm-hmm. in local shows. So that's ninety nine you know ninety five percent of the riders out there in any discipline are 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 that level. Right? Right. So... That tends to be what we try and cover. There's enough other places on the internet uh, to that cover all of the Olympic disciplines and the higher level riders endlessly. Uh, We tend to want to be where you guys are listening, and that's in the you know that's that's the average rider out there trying to compete and do their thing.
2: Right, ride managers couldn't afford to put rides on if they didn't have you know enough pool of riders. The rest of us, (laughs) the rest of us, they (laughs) just want to go and ride and have a good time and. And yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, I, real quick, we won't take too long on this. So I want to get to your endurance tip. Uh, so, Tevis, uh, the mosquito fire that's going on right now, and I know that you have a fire going on near you. So, I mean, there's just all kinds of fires out there right now. Actually, but it,
2: it's the mosquito fire. It's only about 50 miles away. It's due west. Oh, there of you go. Me. Yes. So, yes.
0: you've been smoked out again?
2: Yes. From my house to oh. Auburn is basically a direct line. From east to west. So the mosquito and the wind's fires blowing
0: your direction. Right in
2: the middle. <laughs> yes, and the wind's always, in, and then it settles in the valley. Right now it's been blowing a little bit north, so it's kind of covering, getting Reno and North Shore around like Tahoe really, really bad. I mean, we've had numbers 500 and up on the air quality.
0: Is that bad? Was it, I live in Florida. We don't worry about that.
2: It, if, yeah, once you get over, say, 150, it gets unhealthy to be outside. Oh,
3: so,
0: well, 500, that's pretty
2: so, so when it gets to 500, <laughs> you, I cannot see any of the mountains around me. I can't even see down my street. It- it's uh, uh, you know and there's those that and fine that smell
0: part- just gets in everything
2: yeah the fine particulates can get in your lungs and your bloodstream and so it's just really unhealthy the fire right now as of this morning has burned approximately 49,000 acres and it was 16% contained and they may do a, a another update later on this morning and update that I did read that the fire was kind of active on some fronts last night, but for the most part, I think they've got a lot of containment lines being built to keep the fire from going into the more populated areas.
0: But it did, has burned part of Tevis Trail?
2: Yes, approximately, last I heard, 12 miles of it and about 25 homes in the Volcano Ridge and Michigan Bluff area.
0: Well, we're wishing the best to all of those. I hope this mm-hmm. you, you guys let it rain. Let it rain. It's, it's the,
2: within reason because then just like what happened last night south of me here on 3 on the highway 395, which is a major, hi, major highway, it rained and it wasn't that it rained a lot, but it rained on the previous burn scar from a fire we had last year or the year before and it flooded mud down across the roadways.
0: Okay, I'll change that. So. Let it let, let it have <laughs> a steady, nice rain.
2: <laughs> yes, thank you, Glenn. And cooler weather and higher. Not a Florida humidity. rain
0: where we get 10 inches in two hours. I know, uh, just <laughs> I
2: know. Oh, my gosh.
0: All right, let's get on to something more fun. Yes. Um, enough of the serious stuff. I know. Uh, your endurance tip. Uh, a crew bag... Uh, Basically, you're going to talk about what needs to go in a crew bag for your vet checks.
2: Right. And this time we're going to talk about the out vet checks because they're going to be a little bit different than planning for your vet check in These are the ones
0: that are in the middle of the woods someplace away from camp.
2: Right, where they take your crew okay. bag out for you and have it waiting. Uh, you know, some rides provide enough stuff. You really don't need to do a crew bag. But for the most part, most riders feel comfortable sending their own bag out so that they have some of their own stuff for them and for their horse. So, you know, one of the first things I was thinking about that's important with your crew bag, besides you don't want to overload it and give all the ride volunteers hernias having to tote it around for you. So you want to make sure it's not too overweight or heavy. But you also want to make it visible so that it's easy for you to spot in a crowd of you know a bunch a trailer full of crew bags so either attach maybe a colorful bucket or a colorful ribbon or something on it Um, maybe some colorful duct tape and write your name on it just some way to identify it from a distance you know because you're going to be in the vet check with your horse walking around trying to pick your crew bag out of a bunch of crew bags. So you want to have something that you can easily recognize, not the... same one that another 50 people have.
0: <laughs> so so
2: that's to start with. It's so, kind of like when you get off yeah. the airplane
0: and go to the, the to Ex- get your luggage the, and there's 5,000 black bags.
2: Exactly. <laughs> it. That's exactly right. So I'm just going to go through real quick a list of some of the things you might want to pack. And, of course, this is all subjective. You know, you can always add your own, you know, get your own list together, whatever you're comfortable with. But for the horse, some hay and... Even when a ride says they're going to provide hay, it's always a good idea to at least send, you know, a couple of nice handfuls of hay for your horse, just because your horse may be picky, or the ride may um, run out, or maybe something breaks down. You just don't know. So it's always good to just be prepared if you're going to send the bag anyway. Have a little bit of hay in there. Have a, a gallon size. A Ziploc bag or two of your horse's favorite feed. Um, if you want your horse to have any treats, sometimes getting them to eat an apple or carrot can uh, motivate them to keep eating. Uh, electrolytes, if you do that, a blanket or a sheet, a feed pan. A small bucket of some sort, it can be foldable or a small plastic one. An extra hoof boot, and it's important ahead of time to check the sizes and make sure that they are going to fit. You want to be able to have a boot that you can throw on either the front or the rear of your horse and have it fit. I've seen lots of riders get into trouble with that because they're riding a different horse or the feet have changed since the last time they checked. So, you know, these are all things you need to go through ahead of time, either the day before the ride or even before you leave your house. Now, for the rider pack snacks that you are comfortable, you know, and familiar with eating, lunch if it's not provided at the ride. And this brings me back to one of the first things that's important when you're getting your bag and everything prepared is you need to read the ride literature and you need to go to the ride meeting so that you understand what's provided and what the ride management is going to do for you as far as if they're feeding you any meals or anything. Uh, A lot of these days have found that the writers like having lunch provided. So if that's the case, then you won't need to pack your own lunch. But otherwise, um, you know, be prepared ahead of time and know if you need to bring stuff and pack it. Um, drinks, human electrolytes, sunscreen, toilet paper, a little first aid kit, if you need any medication, some additional things that you might find handy to have some desitin, vet wrap, Um, a small foldable chair or stool, rain gear, depending on the ride, strips of leather or a strong string, Leatherman-type tool, a screwdriver. I don't know why I have just always carry a screwdriver in my crew bag, a small one, and I've used it for helping people pry boots off and stuff like that. It's always been handy. A little bit of duct tape, which you can wrap around. Oh, shouldn't that
0: be first on the list?
2: Well, you can wrap the duct tape around (laughs) the handle of the screwdriver.
0: Oh, there you go. Perfect. See? There you go.
2: So that makes it, you know, help more helpful. Uh, if you're doing a night ride or even a 50 in the middle of winter where you might be coming in in the dark, you might want to send out a change of clothes or a jacket, glow bars and some way to attach them, which is the duct tape, right? <laughs> or some zip ties, flashlight or a headlamp, some batteries or a portable charger and a rump rug for the horse. So that's a pretty extensive list and you just need to go through. That's a big what, crew bag. <laughs> I, yeah. Well, you know, a lot of the stuff is small, you know, you want to stuff it down. And again, you don't want to pack the kitchen sink and everything with it. You know, um, sometimes I like to throw in something that I can groom my horse with like a curry comb or a stiff brush to get the sweat off. They seem to really appreciate that getting cleaned up a little bit. Um, I find when they're less covered and, sweat and dirt, they're less likely to attract bugs, which is helpful. Um, So you also may want to put in a sponge or a scoop if you don't carry one on your saddle. And some of this stuff is redundant because you can carry it on your saddle with you as a rider. Um, But it's also good to have some of these things in your crew bag in case you have used them during the ride, you know, so you can replenish your drinks or your electrolytes and stuff like that.
0: Maybe next time we'll go over. I know it's been a while since we've done this. We'll go over what you actually do carry on your saddle. Okay. Um, with you, or, you know, with you in general. So maybe that's what we'll do next time. Uh, but this was a good list. Good. I w- we'll put, I will put this in the show notes. So uh, right there on your show notes and your podcast player, I will put this list. So you'll see it right there. Uh, but thank you for doing that. Sure. And now let's give Kristen a call at Distance Depot. She's talking today about ice boots and cooling products. Uh, I almost feel like we should have done this one a couple months ago because it's been hot as heck.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It has. We've had some 100-degree days in September. broke Records. Good morning, Kristen. Thank you for joining us this morning. Good morning. Well, I'm excited to hear about your ice boots and cooling products today. Okay, well, I, yeah, I don't know what everybody's temperatures are right now,
4: but we are having a week of very hot summer weather and still plenty of um, humidity to make it just, um, you know, it's near 90 degrees and super hot. So we do, for, the, for those who haven't yet hit fall weather, um, we do have lots of cooling options for your horse and for yourself. Um, we have, uh, cooling sports vests that, um, work off of evaporation. So you have to wet them and you have to wear the wet, um, vest, but I will say I've been in situations where it's been hot enough that that feels really good. (laughs)
2: Yes. (laughs) And,
4: um, yeah, they do work well. And then they that same company makes a cooling cap, same you know, same idea. You would wet it and put it on, and half the time you're soaking wet anyway, so it really does end up feeling very good. Um, we have some cooling sleeves too, and they also not only do they keep your arms cool, they help prevent sunburn. Um, for for everyone who's you know concerned about protection from the sun, so they are UV protective as well as cooling. So those are nice too. And I've worn those, you know, at the mobile unit um, out there selling in the at an endurance ride, and it's just brutally hot. Um, and they really do work. They they keep my arms cool, and um, they work really well.
2: They do work great, and you just can splash some water on them, and it just instantly
4: yeah, so- gives relief. They're wonderful. It- they are nice. I really like them. And it's funny to think a long sleeve, but they're perforated. So the air flows right through them. They're really nice. Um, and we have just newly designed our ice boot that we manufacture here, the easy ice boot. Um, so they have now, they have a um, 24 larger packets that stay colder longer. Um, and these are super nice. Um, they, it does make them a bit heavier. Now, um, but I'm not too concerned with the weight. I really like the fact that they stay colder longer, um, mm-hmm. and that the packets are bigger. They do conform to the leg really nicely and they cover, what, you can keep them frozen, um, in the freezer. And then I, we used to transport them in an, their own cooler to the ride and then come ride day you open up the cooler put them on at the vet checks and they work so well and they stay colder than any product i've found
2: well that's um, great because then you can ice the two front legs for 20 or yep. 30 minutes and then take them off and ice the hinds. that's what i did with exactly. those boots for a long long yeah. time and it, it, it even the older model worked good for that so these must be really great with the bigger pockets They they're really nice and 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 we actually have the same size pocket but the pack
4: fills it up a little more because it's just slightly larger. Okay, but um, we've done testing with the packs and and you know tested them pulling them out of the freezer just in air temperature and these packs really do stay colder longer. So it's pretty nifty and um, I like these boots too because. <clears throat> even if they're just cold and you wet them, you know, after, say, it's been, you're on a multi-day ride and the boots are a little, you know, less frozen, then when you put them on, the water drips down, they cover from the coronet band up to the knee. They're about 17 inches high. So it's a nice height um, for front and back legs. So it works, like you say, terrific on both both legs. So they're pretty cool. We're excited about that.
2: And we just got done talking about crew bags. So I want to point out oh, that mm-hmm. you have several different crew and gear bags.
4: Absolutely. Um, we have um, the Easy Care Deluxe Hang Gear Bag that has several pockets so you can put your um, stuff to go out to a hold or for your crew if you are lucky enough to have one, uh-huh. so you can put some hay in there for the horse, and also maybe a raincoat or your ice boots or um, you know extra extra shirt or whatever, so you can keep it separate from the hay, which is really mm-hmm. nice because then your stuff isn't all covered um, with hay, which we're all pretty used to. But it does make it nice to have those extra pockets. You can also embroider on these bags. We have a bag from Cashel and also just a, a gear bag maybe to. Put put your own stuff in from easy care and some duffel bags and stuff, but you can get embroidery on there and they're all on the embroidery page on the website.
2: Oh, Great. Tell us how would somebody get in touch with you?
4: Okay. Well, they can contact us at the um, toll free number, which is 866-863-2349 or visit our website, the
2: distancedepot.com. Our next guest this morning is Mickey Smith, and Mickey is the ride manager for the newly resurrected Moab Canyons ride. This ride was really popular years ago. It's in Moab, Utah, and they will be hosting two, a ride two times this year, once in the fall and once in the spring. This is some of the most gorgeous country and one of the most beautiful rides that we have in the sport. So thank you, Mickey, for joining us this morning. Yeah, no problem. I, I'm really pleased that uh, to get to talk about this. Yeah, I love talking about rides, especially ones that are coming back. That's great. I know this ride was so popular. Everybody loved it. What got you involved with bringing it back? Well, so
3: um, I lived in Moab for quite a few years, and Sherry Griffith was the person who originally designed and ran the Moab ride for somewhere around nine or 10 years. Sherry and Paul Ishikawa put the ride on. And as you know, as you said, it's a spectacular ride. I mean, it's just, it's amazing country and, and everything else about the ride itself. Um, and I had always wanted to do endurance riding, but had never really had an opportunity or the right horse. And those all came together when I moved to Moab Moab back in the early 2000s. And um, so I ended up getting involved with Sherry Griffith and I started helping her with the ride and I started riding it and I got my daughters involved. And, uh, you know, Sherry was starting to kind of want to not do it as much anymore. It is a lot of work and she had put it on for many, many years. And so she was kind of hoping I would want to take over. And um, so that's how I got involved. And then it just it's just something that we, we haven't been able to do it for the last few years, and we really miss it, and we know a lot of people do miss the ride. And um, I finally retired from my full-time job, and I just decided to try to bring it back and Good see how it goes. Good for you.
0: That's something to do in retirement. <laughs> Dive into something that requires 10 times more the time <laughs> than your job did.
3: Perfect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and and it sounds kind of silly, but um I had 30 plus years as a wildland firefighter and believe it or not, a lot of the skills cross over. So all the trail work, the mapping, the, you know, the the logistics, all of that is actually very closely tied to to what I spent my life doing and, and uh, just to be... add the
0: fun parts. Yeah, you won't be next to fire and smoke. So that's perfect.
3: Exactly. <laughs> but we still get camp. And lots of dirt and wind, and <laughs> and people go in every direction, and and uh, it's it's kind of similar in some ways, and it's a lot of fun.
2: Give us a description of the base camp and the trail. Yeah,
3: so um, for
2: this fall ride, which is I'm saying,
3: aka Sherry Griffith ride, um, the this ride is going to be the exact same trails that has it has been in the past. It's about fifteen miles north of Moab out in just that spectacular country, red rock canyons and cliffs and mesa tops. And um, it's pretty rugged country. You know, there's a, they're great trails. Uh, there's a fair amount of good pack trails, um, obviously very rocky in some areas, beautiful slick rock canyons. Um, it it varies a lot. You're not just riding just um, across a flat landscape it's uh, a lot of up and down and beautiful red rock country um camp itself uh we're like i say we're about 15 miles north of moab and it's a old cow camp so it's just a big open uh, meadow not meadow this time of year it's not a meadow but it's um an area where an old cow camp historically was there there's some corrals and uh and enough room for as many people that want to come and we base out of there and then we, we have some really large, very scenic loops that go out from that.
2: Okay, and what's the trail like? Are you ra- riding through canyons? Yes. so so the trails themselves, um, we have
3: th- it's a three day event this fall. We have a 25, 30 mi- uh, 25 miles, Thirty-mile courses and then fifty-mile courses each day, and the trails like a um, like you say you're going to be riding down into canyon bottoms um, in sandy washes, and then up out of the canyons and climbing up to on top of mesa tops, crossing on cro- top of one mesa and back down into another canyon. So it's it varies um, greatly. We have um, every different. Scenery you could want out of the Moab high desert country. Um, The trail surfaces themselves. Like I say, we've got a lot of packed um, dirt with some rock. And then there's a lot of times where you're crossing the slick rock, which is the sandstone. Mm -hmm. And surprisingly, very grippy for horses. It works out really well. Some people think because it's called slick rock that it's not Mm -hmm. good. But it's actually pretty grippy for the most part as long as you keep your horse at um, on something and not side hilling on a on a real steep angle. but um, slick rock works is really wonderful terrain for to when you're crossing it it's just spectacular um, and it varies. So you go from sand to slick rock to dirt. Um, and you pretty, pretty well get to see just about everything. Big, massive canyons and beautiful mesa tops and views of the mountains in the background.
2: Okay, what about the ride in April? And let's go ahead and mention the dates while we're at it. The Moab Canyon's ride, a.k.a. Sherry Griffith's ride, is September 30th, October 1st, and October 2nd. And the Moab Canyon rims is April 16th and 17th, 2023.
3: Yes, exactly. And so now the the Canyon Rims ride is is a new, brand new ride. Um, I spent many years working in this area, um, like I say, as a firefighter, and it's just an area that I always said, "Wow, we need to do a ride out here." It's um, kind of the opposite of the Moab ride in that you're up on top of uh, the mesa, looking down into the Colorado River Basin, and it's just it's almost like Grand Canyon type spectacular views. And um, it's south of Moab, about 30 miles. It's a little bit more remote than the fall ride. And um, what's wonderful about that location is that it's there are motorized. We are on Jeep trails and some some single track trail. But it's uh, an area where they're trying to um, maintain the more less motorized, more historical use out there. So uh, horse use is something they really want to see in that area. So this ride just fits that category perfectly. And and so there's not a lot of motorized use in that area. Um, I was
0: going to ask you that about ride, that because this is a big, huge area for the Jeep guys and all that, uh, the motorcycle right. guys. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So that is one of the things that we're kind of coming up against on the fall ride is that that particular area you know, back when Sherry started the ride, there wasn't a lot of uh, there was jeep trails and jeep use, but not so much of the ATVs and UTVs. Mm. And nowadays, Moab has a lot of UTV use, and that we're seeing some changes in the trails themselves. Uh, that with more motorized use, the trails are degrading somewhat. They're more rocky than they used to be, um, which they like. Know, more...
0: I mean, that's what they like, right? yeah, not yeah happening
3: but it's everywhere just not, yeah. yeah oh yeah, yeah, and it's just not it you know, it does change it, although I drove out there the other day to to see what changes since last year, and I uh, you know, Mother Nature's wonderful, Mother Nature recovers stuff, and uh, and so for horse use, it's still wonderful, um, but my biggest concern is just the conflict between horses riding up a narrow canyon, and here comes a bunch of razors, and so You know, we're, we're looking at that and trying to make sure that that was, I changed the timing of the ride a little bit this year, made it a little earlier, hoping to fall on a weekend, maybe with less use. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we're trying to figure out how to maybe change a few trails so we don't have that kind of a conflict going on. But, uh, but overall, you know, um, there's a, it's a vast country. And so I know we can find trails out here that'll work that are less use for motorized, you know? Please tell and, me and when that,
0: you on, on the one next year south of town. Uh, you're not riding through Dead Horse State Park because the I, we don't need that this year. Nope. Okay. Nope. Good.
3: No, we are not doing that. So this Clint. is what's really cool. There is. There's a Dead Horse yeah, State Park. Yeah. Dead, yeah. No, but you'll be on a peak on a point looking across at Dead Horse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would be bad. Yeah. Um, just, a, just a note. But uh, but it is just about as spectacular. Anybody who's ever been to Dead Horse Point, you are on the opposite side of the canyon looking at exactly that same beautiful scenery. Well, it so, does
0: look like the Grand Canyon from there. Oh,
3: it's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And, uh, and that ride, it's fun. It's, uh, it, it's less um, vast. You know, I have it a little bit more condensed. And you go from one side of the big mesa top hatch point Hatch Mesa, from one side to the other, and you get views to the north and views to the south and down in the canyon, and it's just quite spectacular. I love the I want to come ride.
0: out and volunteer.
3: <laughs> Sounds <like> oh, a- <laughs> man, we'd love to have you. You're welcome <laughs> yeah. to come. Do you need volunteers? Sure. Yes, we, that is one of the things that, um, so, you know, Sherry teaching me how to do, be a ride manager, I've been learning from her, and one of the things I am learning is how difficult it is <laughs> Um, to, well, there's just how difficult it is, period. Um, but then also just volunteers, you know, we all have busy lives. Well, and not so, only that, you're you know,
0: in a pretty remote area. It's, it's different than when they need volunteers in the Florida ride down here in the middle of horse country, right?
3: Right. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And, and so our few people that are horse people here, they get tapped pretty hard. And, you know, um, it, it is, a, it is an issue. It is something that I'm working on right now. As a matter of fact, today I'm in Moab. Um, calling people and seeing if I can round up just a couple more volunteers to be out there and uh, you know, not make it so hard on the the handful of folks that I've been leaning pretty heavily on.
0: Um, Is there a place so for them to stay if they want to come in from out of town?
3: Um, you know, there's, I, I think if people were coming in from out of town, it'd be easy enough for me to arrange um, some housing for a few nights. Okay. And then as far as out at ride camp, um again that would be something I could accommodate if I knew I had people coming. Okay. Um, I have a couple of campers and you know, we we would try to accommodate people that were coming from out of town. I know that we have some awesome. listeners in
0: that general area, so there you go.
3: Yeah. If you want to do something yeah. and fun. Then, and then knowing that the high cost of fuel right now is is really hindering people's travel, I've been telling volunteers that I'm happy to pay. Um, their gas money to get them here it is out of town a ways and we have wonderful lunches we feed people and and it's just it's a lot of fun as you know being out at an endurance ride and just that that vibe that goes with all those horse people that are having fun you know
0: well so is
3: it too late now to sign up for september no not at all okay um i i was originally so there is a, a a ton of hidden hidden costs in this business that I wasn't aware of. And and when I did the spring ride, I was welcome pretty to nervous. any business. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and being a new business person, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe all of these costs, you know? Um some of the big ones for us are like hauling water. I have to haul all the water out there. Mm. And uh and doing that with you know load after load after load with four fifty a gallon you know on the on the fuel, uh-huh. um, I had no idea how expensive that was, and uh, I'm hoping someday to own a water tender, and make it easy. But there you go. You need yourself a <laughs> water you know, truck. <laughs> yeah, if you know anybody that has a water tender, let me know. <laughs> but uh, but those are the difficulties doing a ride in the desert. You know, is is some things like that. Um, but well, anyway, we'll put a link, we'll
0: put a link. I know you have a website, I was on it this morning. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes so people can find that. And also to the AERC uh, yes. listing, so yes. where they can actually sign up to go. It's it's September 30th, the 1st and the 2nd. So that's coming yes. up, but it's not too late to get out there. If you if you want to do a
3: ride, or volunteer.
2: you're going to have a choice of, what's that? Or volunteer.
0: Or volunteer. Or
3: volunteer, or even just come out and see what we're doing.
0: And it's a 25 and a 50 each day, right? Yes. Okay.
3: And i am actually got introductory rides as well. So if there's any locals that want to get out there and just ride a 10-mile loop and start getting an idea of what um, endurance is like, we have an an introductory ride each day as well. All right. Terrific. Well, thank you for joining us, and good luck with it.
2: Let us know. Yes, thank you. All right. Well, thank you. Appreciate the time. Our next guest coming up is Heidi Helley. Heidi is a longtime rider from the Pacific South region in Southern California. She rides all of the distances and has around 16,000 miles since 1993. She has over 5,000 miles with her horse Optimus Prime. She is also a trainer and riding coach at Harmony Ranch and also has a band called Heidi and the Hurricanes. Welcome, Heidi. Welcome. Boy, you did your homework.
0: <laughs> I don't think well, I drive that much. Um.
2: <laughs> well, I've known you a long time, Heidi. We've ridden a lot of those That's miles. <laughs> That's true. I remember the one time my
1: horse dumped me. You were right behind me uh, taking pictures. <laughs> oh, was
2: I? See, Karen's I like, like take
0: a picture first, see if she's okay, second. That's, That's right. Her. I
1: was fine, but, uh, you know,
2: there was Karen taking photo Oh, my a photo. gosh. No. But, but what ride was she's that? She's there to help. <laughs> Wait, we got to document it first. Okay, what ride was that? I don't remember it.
1: <laughs> oh, so I'd have to think about
2: it. I, mean, oh. I think it was Bryce Canyon. Okay. Oh, my gosh. You know, I'm so busy taking the photos. Other stuff's (laughs) happening around me. (laughs) (laughs) It was an
1: educational moment for me. I learned from it.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So tell us, how did you get started in the sport?
1: Well, you know, ever since I was a kid, I I had my own pony when I was about seven or eight. And in the summer, when I boarded at my grandparents' house, they were about an hour away from the Bay Area where I lived. And so I would head out. They forced me to eat cream of wheat for breakfast. And then I'd be out riding all day long on this pony with my friends. And then we'd come in for lunch sometimes for a sandwich and a dip in the pool if it was 100 degrees. And then we'd ride again. And they would say, We'll be home before dark, and every night they were looking for us with headlights, because we weren't home yet. <laughs> so I, I guess I've kind of always been an endurance rider. I wish I could have gotten all those miles, counting. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be catching up with Dave Rabe.
0: <laughs> Basically, the pony was the babysitter.
1: He used to dump me pretty good. Yeah, he taught me how to ride.
0: Yeah, but I mean, they oh, could yeah. send you out with the pony, and they knew you'd be okay, you'd come back eventually. So Those
2: were the good old days. Yeah, exactly. I <laughs> Exactly. The good old days. So tell us about your horse, Optimus Prime.
1: Well, um, I call him Opie. Um, I have his his brother and his half-brother and his half-sister also, who have also done quite a bit of endurance with quite a few people. And uh, he was actually a gift from Charlene Lewis to me. She um, ran across some busy and hard times setting up her business. I don't know if you want to say her name or not on the radio, but, but um, she thought we would be a good match. And um, he was quite young and green at the time. And um, anyway, I, we, we clicked, and um, we've been arguing ever since. We both argue a lot, the horse and I. <laughs> we're both Tauruses, and we're both a little bit pig-headed, but, you know, I, we seem to figure it all out. And I think in the end, we trust each other as much as you can. So Mm -hmm. we work it out. But he's very opinionated. He can be kind of a punk. You
2: know, a lot of those (laughs) 5,000-mile horses are that way.
1: (laughs) Yes, they are. They really are. It seems like the talented horses have a little quirk to them, don't they? Uh-huh. You know, it's
0: true in any discipline, too. You, The best jumpers and eventers and all that, they're all the quirky ones that are, that have an yeah. attitude. They all have <laughs> a little bit of an attitude. But then, yes. oh, don't most type A people who really are the ones who strive to win everything have an attitude, too? So I mean, Right.
1: Yeah. No, I think you're absolutely right. And I think these people that want to get into our sport and think they're going to have this lovely, and they, I love the term, heart horse, the perfect horse that stands quietly <laughs> for mounting. Never shies, never tries to run through the bit. You know that horse may just do a few rides and not really excel. I mean, it, it's a lovely horse, but it's got to have some oomph, I think.
0: Yeah, if you're looking to just have a pleasant ride and and go out for the fun of it, that that's the horse you want, right? Right. If you're looking to win, may not may not be right. Or,
2: or right. just do you a lot of miles, mm-hmm.
0: right? Yeah.
1: Right, which is the secret, Karen and I know. Right, you don't have to win; uh-huh. you just have right. to be tenacious. <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly. So Heidi, you train horses, and you're a riding coach. Tell us how you got mm-hmm. involved with doing that.
1: You know, um, when I was a teenager, I worked at a summer camp for several seasons um, up in Central California. So I did a lot of riding lessons. Um, they took out, we took out trail rides several times a day. So it just kind of evolved naturally. Um, then I had opportunities to teach people as a profession down the line and then of course when you're doing endurance and it's fun and people you're you're teaching to ride think they think it sounds fun and some of them want to try it and some of them do and some of them do very well so it just kind of evolves but you have to really pick your people carefully there's a lot of people that like the idea of it but they don't really like the actual hardships let's just say you know so
0: if you were to – because you do work with a lot of beginners and everything, it, can you give us uh, a few of the things that are the mistakes that everybody makes that uh, you, know, you, you want the world to know about? If you're, if you're just starting out in this sport, what are the mistakes everybody makes, and how do they, how do they not make those mistakes?
1: Well, I think a lot of these people – you get an endurance horse, whether it's an Arabian or a Mustang or whatever, but it's a talented horse that can do a lot of miles and its fit. And you feel like you can just ride the heck out of it. So, you know, people have a hard time pacing these horses that are somewhat gifted. You know, it's a different ride. So they ever work
0: them in the training?
1: Some of them do, yeah. And then some of them just everyone thinks their horse is going to be the next Tevis winner or the next international FEI race winner. You know, and really the truth of the matter, and I've thought about this for many years, is you can take, I believe, and Karen, you tell me if I'm wrong, you can take a moderately talented horse and get it fit and and know where your weaknesses are and you can take that horse a really long way and you can keep it sound you just have to ride a little Uh bit more rides and then you don't have to worry about injuries and you're not sitting there for eight months waiting for something to heal up and training something else you know it's just it's nice to have the same partner even though that partner might be persnickety at times at least you know the devil you know
2: right (laughs) Right? the devil
1: you know is. is
2: And you're not running up a bunch of vet bills. <laughs> right. And, you know, for me, it's a lot
1: less stressful. I'll tell you, my first ride, which probably is not even on the site because it was before they did all the keeping of history somewhere. I think it was might even the late 80s, but I, it doesn't show up anywhere. Um, it was a 25-mile ride. That was my first endurance ride. And I won it in two hours flat. And that, um, there, at that point, I don't know if you remember the time Frank Karen, there was no actual vet check for some reason. They just, you had to come down to, I'm trying to think what the rate was, maybe 72. I was going to say 68, stop.
2: 72. And, well, they weren't sanctioning those distances yet.
1: Yeah, I don't remember, remember that. But I remember, yeah. you know, two hours. I mean, we started at 630. At 830, my friend rode the brother to my other horse. We won. At 8.30 in the morning, we're done and we've already won. So what do you do the rest of the day? So we we worked on our suntan, you know. But my point is, I went from that to realizing, you know, it's so beautiful out there. You don't want to be stressed out about your horse. It's very stressful riding super fast because if the horse takes one bad step, you've got got trouble. So as I get older, I appreciate just being out there all day and just cruising along and enjoying the ride. And my horse seems to um, be less stressed about it, eat better. Drink better, take care of themselves.
0: It's funny how mortality changes the older you get.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It is, but you know, it's nice that you can do the sport at any age. That's true. So I think really the mature riders can really help the new riders and the children that are learning to ride because they just don't have that experience. So I think it, and the kids will keep you amused and and lively going down the trail. So, you know, it's kind of a nice match if you can make it work.
2: Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the age thing. Like, how young is the youngest person you've worked with? And how old was the oldest person?
1: Okay, so the youngest person I ever worked with that I did endurance with, I got my husband said, Oh, a lady called and her daughter's two and a half. And her daughter would like to take lessons. What? She (laughs) wanted you to call her back. So... I, I thought about it, and I, I looked at my paperwork for my insurance to see if there's any limitations, <laughs> and I said, you know, there's no limitations, so I don't see why this little girl can't come out and brush the horse and ride for a few, you know, a few minutes, to see what the little horse, see what she can do. I've got a little Icelandic horse. Let her sit on the Icelandic horse, and we'll lead her around, and, well, I'll be darned. You remember her. That was Lacey Bainbridge.
2: Oh, Lacey. We had her on the show, Glenn.
0: Yeah, we did. That's right.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's Lacey. so. So she was the 2013 National Junior Mileage Champion, and she was not even eight at the time.
0: And you started her out at two and a half? Yep.
1: And (laughs) she was riding by herself on trail when she was four, and by the time she was probably five or six, she was my favorite person to ride with because she was the most sensible person I would ride with. I mean, because
0: <laughs> well, obviously, Karen wasn't. You learned your lesson there, <laughs> so you had to go with the six year old.
2: <laughs> she, she actually. Well, Karen trust- I don't live close enough. <laughs> she, she trusted me to actually sponsor Lacey on a ride. I did a 50 with her.
1: Oh. That's, oh, that's
2: right. Mm-hmm. Wasn't yeah. she an interesting rider? Oh, yeah. She was a and great was junior to have, was. you know, no mm-hmm. whining. She did what she asked. She knew how to handle her horse. She was terrific. She was. And one time we were
1: riding up at um, Eastern Mojave going over the Burrow Mountain, which I know you know well. And it uh-huh. was, was snowing and it <laughs> snowed a bit. There was uh-huh. quite a bit of ice and snow on there. And Lacey was looking ahead at the riders that were just ahead of us and they were riding down this kind of a funky looking slope and she said to me, you know, when I get up there on the flat, I I think I am going to hike my horse down that. I don't know why those people are riding down that. And I agreed. I said, you know, I know it it could be pretty sketchy. It could be pretty slippery. So it was nice to ride with somebody that that had that mindset. And um, we, if I was riding with another adult client student, she would always um, put her two cents worth in and, but they would always take it in stride and say, Hey, I'm getting twice the help. (laughs) But you have to have um you have to have somebody, whether it's an adult or a child, they really have to want it, and they have to understand that it, you know, if you're gonna get tired, things are gonna hurt on your body. you know, you're gonna get cold, you're gonna get hot, and you just have to accept it as part of the experience. okay, what about
2: the oldest writer? And you don't have to name them okay. you... <laughs> I
1: won't, I won't, but I blame I named her because you knew her. um probably. I'm going to say that actually did endurance. I had I had somebody did some fun rides, a couple of grandmas that were probably 70-ish. And they did some fun rides with their grandkids. That And that was oh, pretty neat cool. because one of them mm-hmm. rode an Arabian mare that was in her 20s, probably 25. And she was a spitfire, that little mare. Boy, she could have really done something if she'd been worked with earlier. But um, in endurance, probably in their 60s, people in their 60s I've worked with and they've gotten... Um, gotten through probably 500, 600 miles. I have a question for you guys.
0: So, and I know with (coughs) my wife, you know, is dabbling in endurance. Do you have a lot of women that come in in the forty, you know, in the 40s and even 50s into endurance after they've done with other stuff and, you know, maybe they were an event or whatever, Uh, but they're Mm -hmm. done with that and they want to get into endurance. Is there a a group of those?
1: Yes, definitely. Um, And, you know, what's interesting is the people that did eventing and a lot of med- medium to high level horse shows are often surprised at the affordability, believe it or not, of, of endurance. You've already got a horse. If you've got a horse and a truck and a trailer, you know, really the entry fees are not that much and you, you get to camp and you, you know, you make yeah, a compared little to of show
0: it. jumping or some of those other sports, your entry fees are a quarter of what, you know?
1: Yeah, you probably, know, yeah. probably. So I get a lot of that. I get a lot of pe- a lot of ladies who the kids are either, um, off to college and out of the house or um or they're old enough to you know drive or they're old enough to just come home after school and do their own thing and mom's got a little bit of time where she can do something for herself and sometimes they get back into the riding at that point and they want a goal sometimes they want a goal for their own fitness and just for their own lifestyle just something to to lean towards so I'll, enjoy having that call.
0: so I'll ask you the same question. We'll end with this because we're running out of time. But I'll ask you the same question in a different way that I asked you earlier. What's the mistake that those people, whether they're m- male or female, they're coming into it f- from a different sport. They're, they were accomplished maybe mm-hmm. even in that sport. What's the mistake they make?
1: Okay, well, the men don't believe they need to wear tights. they think that their jeans will be just fine so <laughs> for twice, one
0: ride, and then the change their mind.
1: <laughs> twice we've had men my husband because my husband used to do endurance, so I would have him consult them on the men outfits <laughs> because you know he's a boy he has a, he has the same body, and twice we had two separate gentlemen that did not believe about the tights and Um, both times they had to hike in the last few miles and, and one of them had bloody legs at the end. I mean, like, (laughs) like, and they hiked directly over to Evelyn Hartman, who at that point was selling custom tights and ordered several (laughs) tights for themselves. So it was kind of funny, but nobody wanted to believe that it would make a difference, you know, to have seams or not, because they had done 10 mile rides, 15 mile rides at home and and everything was just fine. (laughs) So people don't want to believe that. So. I would say my word of wisdom would be just if somebody who's done a lot of miles has a suggestion, you don't have to do it, but you can at least consider it, put it in your little thinking pot and just consider it as an option.
0: Cause it is different. I mean, <laughs> you know, it is yeah, different. It is.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you can see the sheepskin on my saddle, I mean, after about two years, it's got bald patches all over it from, you know, legs gri- gripping here and there and just, little, you know, pulling the hairs out, <laughs> you know, um, I mean, we, we have to hang on when we ride.
0: Well, Heidi, where can people find you?
1: Well, I'm at Harmony Ranch Arabians. We live in Valley Center, which is, uh, North of San Diego, about an hour. Um, we do a lot of conditioning and riding in Escondido, which is the neighboring town, uh, 3000 acres on Daly Ranch, which is um, a nice place to stage from. Um, would you like, uh, am I allowed to say my phone number?
0: Uh, no, I, I'll put, uh, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll put a link to Harmony Ranch in the show notes. So if people want to find you, they can contact you through there. That okay, would be better. Uh, but thank you for being with us today. This has been fun. And uh, it's always fun hearing stories about Karen.
2: <laughs> yes, thank yes, you, Heidi.
1: <laughs> thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, what a fun group of guests today. You did well. You did well today. They were fun. Uh, And Heidi's a trip. She she was probably fun to ride with.
2: (laughs) Yes. Yes. She's a nice, conservative, sensible, smart rider. That's why she has a 5,000 mile horse. Yeah,
0: exactly. Like you. Good job. So, Where can people find out if there's a ride in their area or if they want to get started as what are they called? Green beans? Uh, If they want to get started as a Uh, green bean. They can look uh, online, they
2: They can look up Green Bean Endurance and find the websites on Facebook or just uh, by Google because I know they've got their own websites now. Or go to aerc.org and look up the ride calendar. If you look up under the education link, you'll find links to clinics. And I know they have some clinics coming up. We also have the Distance Horse National Championship Ride coming up at the Autumn, Autumn Sun Pioneer uh, Base Camp in Gooding, Idaho. And that's coming up September 30th through October 2nd, 2022. And I also want to mention that the Virginia City 100 ride due to the fire smoke has been canceled and they are going to be adding a hundred mile ride at the Red Rock ride. I believe it's October 15th or somewhere around the middle of the month in order to sort of replace it. I mean, It's not going to be the same because it won't be at the same location, but at least it'll be another uh, place for somebody to get in a hundred mile ride if that's been their goal all year to build up to.
0: And we haven't, for, you know, every time we don't mention the East Coast, we get in trouble. So we haven't forgotten about the East Coast. Karen's been doing really good at getting more riders and more people on from the East Coast, and we're going to continue doing that. It's just every once in a while we have to go back west. So uh, you know, what we were going to get an email because we didn't mention these. I know. Well, so mention this, it now.
2: This month we <laughs> we covered the Pacific South region in Southern California and the Utah Mountain region.
0: That's right. So, and you know what, we're coming up to the time when we're talking about the East Coast anyway, because in the winter, it's just Florida. So, (laughs) pretty much, (laughs) and Arizona, but those are the two. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Appreciate it. There'll be no post-show for the auditors today. Uh, What day of the week is this? This is Tuesday. Uh, Actually, Jamie is off tomorrow, but Lisa will be here. So Lisa and I will be here with a brand-new episode for you. And then on Thursday is the Equine Affair episode, and then Jamie's back on Friday to do some really bad ads. Karen, uh, they can find you best places on Facebook?
2: Um, Or Envy Endurance Writer on Twitter.
0: Envy Endurance Writer on Twitter. Got it. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you all soon.